Good morning, Shelley. Good morning, Kat. How are you? I am so good. How are you? I'm good. I'm over here in WA at the moment um, on a bit of a clinic tour and yeah, loving it. That's good. How's the weather? That's it. That's not so good. Well, (laughs) actually, I shouldn't say that. It's yeah, there's a bit of a cold front. I think it's hit all of us. Yeah. Rain everywhere on the south, like. I I was meant to go camping for Easter and we decided against it because it is feral down in Melbourne but I'm in Canberra today and it's blue skies and gorgeous yeah lovely that's always nice okay so today we're going to talk about tools that's Um, right we get into a lot of discussions it often comes up at clinics and different things that we go to about good things and bad things in horsemanship and I feel like having a chat about what they mean to us could be a really, really cool conversation. Yeah, I think that's, that, that's a really good conversation because I have to admit that the more I learn, the more grey I become yeah. when it comes to tools. It, it depends. It it's literally the answer to everything. Yeah, and I find anyone that says, you know, round penning's bad, bits are evil, you know, whips are cruel, um, you know, you just like, you haven't, you, you don't know. Like as soon as someone yeah. opens their mouth like that, it's like you're being ignorant. Yeah, you, you are naive to what could actually be possible too. Yeah, or how they actually used or why. I, I've got so many examples that we'll probably talk about in the in the podcast. Yeah, but you got to be a little bit careful being, having an opinion but I suppose it's like anything to do is the more I've learned about horses, the more I've learned about training is that I've become less black and white. Yeah. I've grayed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So why don't we start with some that are like less controversial and maybe move to some that are more controversial. Sure. Okay. So well, maybe a uh, rope halter. Oh, the good old rope halter. <laughs> it's yeah. something that we both use probably yeah. every day yeah um and some people have opinions on them and yeah, they do. and clips on them and stuff like yeah. that yeah absolutely yeah I think um yeah gosh I remember having an opinion on them it was so funny I'll tell you how I how I discovered rope holders because I'm I didn't even know how to put one on once <laughs> But I remember when I started using one because I had a pony that was really um, food orientated and it would be yeah, like, okay. drag you around and just eat grass and stuff like that. And I had a few embarrassing incidents at um, competitions and stuff like that because this horse as well, when he got stressed, he wanted to eat more, which is, you know. Perfect. What That's what's really horses. good. <laughs> That's not an uncommon kind of coping mechanism for horses when yeah. they get stressed is to want to eat. Okay, and some certain horses do that. So I just remember him pulled him out out of my he pulled out of my hands and you know went off to the nearest pile of grass and that was rather humiliating. Um, yeah, and then someone put a rope halter on him and I found that I could control him better. So you know I might have had opinions back then about them you know being cruel or whatever, but I was pretty happy to put it on when I when I could control my horse better. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and then of course I've learned to use one better. But yeah, with the rope halter, it's just giving that it's just got a smaller surface area. Yeah. So the smaller surface area, the same kind of 
weight kind of applied to it exerts more pressure because it's so I think in the situation you're talking about I'd be really interested did the horse stay good in the rope halter or did it over (laughs) over time got worse and worse no it was just better than the whip halter that's what I've worked out that when I pulled on the rope holder, it had a bit better effect than the web yeah. holder. But still, I didn't know about applying pressure, you know. No. And, you know, and that that horse um, would have just got more and more ability to pull on that <laughs> and, and tolerate and ignore it a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, and just resistant to it. Um, yeah. yeah. So that, I remember that. <laughs> it's quite funny when I look back at how oh, just yeah, how skillless. <laughs> how skillless I was it's funny though because back then I had a very high high opinion Opinion. of myself (laughs) yeah it's pretty funny when I look back at that so yeah the rope holder can be very controversial because people think it's um cruel especially the ones like I use a double knot like a double knot on the on the nose and I so it's got um, four knots over the nose got four knots one on each side of course where it ties and an extra two on the nose and yeah and people will think those ones are really cruel um however why I use them is is that you know I need that I need a spectrum of pressure that I can apply my aim is to apply very small pressure but if I can escalate that pressure effectively then I can really train and maintain the response that I want to give like the 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 feeling I want to give is only a small one that's the way I want to communicate with the horse and by having that spectrum of that ability because those double those those four knots on the nose exert pressure of course on the sensitive areas so yeah it makes the pressure you exert even more like it magnifies it even further than just a than than just the rope so that gives me the ability to quickly train and to maintain that very light touch that I want to control them with the thing we've got to remember too is that a lot of the horses that you would put a halter on you're trying to correct problems that other people have caused that's correct yeah so you're not starting with a baby and putting a fawn on a halter on it no you don't you don't have to and of course my aim this which you don't understand i use those for training and yeah. i want to be able to put my horse in the fluffiest damn bloody holder ever or anyone lying around and they'll respond to it yeah. but i have to create that kind of meaning and that kind of meaning of communication of what that means and motivate them to um, to follow me and to follow that yeah and that's that's why I use it because I want to use any halter yeah but if I put on a web halter just say this is a whole thing because every now and then you know you kind of get stuck with a horse or whatever that you have to train in one of those and yeah. it's way more brutal to kind of get them to yeah, the pressure you have to apply is so much bigger it's to get bigger. the desired response it's not only that and it's longer duration so basically yeah. you've got to keep working or pulling on that pushing or uh, applying pressure until it actually gets really sore instead of instead of just using that kind of pinpoint escalation that you have with a rope halter so it's awful you know (laughs) you know or you know the sad I have to do it sometimes when I'm working on clients horses when I'm doing their feet and I have to back them up or something if the horse is having some behavioral issues and to, in order to get them to back up and start actually switching on, I have to do so much more in order to get their attention. Oh, yeah, it's horrible when I can, it's, yeah, it's just like the volume. You got you can turn the volume up real quick on a rope holder and down, but on the web holder, it's like this sustained, painful like, noise that you got to keep on for a period of time. So, yeah, so I 
train in rope holders and I know you do as well they train yeah. and of course you know I want to be able to over time be able to put that horse in anything the biggest fluffiest holder but I think the saddest thing I see is the horses that have the biggest amounts of sheepskin fluff on their face with a bull bit in or a chain in their mouth yeah. it's like dudes wow you know um you know that's 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 a real contrast so yeah also the big clips on the end yeah. a lot of people a lot of people have real aversion to the big clips um on the on the halter again i use that for training and especially in early training because again remembering that i'm dealing with some horses that are pretty troubled sometimes and of course using the rope to create an effective uh adversity pressure okay to either get them to back up or back away or or to discourage behaviors you know when i've got a big clip weight on there again it's like the dub the, the knots on the nose band is it allows me to get in and out i suppose the thing though that we're talking about is i know how to use that you have an awareness around it and when you're applying it and when you're taking it off yeah and that's really important it scares me when i see people with big things that they can create aversives with and then don't have that same awareness no yeah and then and they really upset the horse with it so again it boils down really to the really the thing of this podcast is you got to know how to use it yeah. like they're not inherently it well it's just a tool and it's how yeah. you it. if you don't use it well and how the horse feels um, about it that's right yeah like just say a common thing one of the most controversial exercises that i teach is to is <laughs> the rope to go backwards yeah like teaching the horse to go backwards off a wiggle the rope and I tell people it's just like I'm not so much doing this to teach the horse that response although I need them to know to back off that pressure if I push it in front of them to back off because it can be for a safety type thing yeah or handy for maneuvering them in certain situations but I do it for people to learn how to throw that energy through that rope yeah um because that can be done so goddamn bad you know people don't realize that you put a wiggle through the rope so that you flick energy at the horse but lots yeah. of people will actually pull the horse towards them or the energy won't go anywhere so learning how to do that to send it yeah but that's where those you know you're having a clip because i use a clip again Me the whole reason i use everything is so i don't have to use it in the future <clears throat> and when you've got that clip on the halter would touch the lead rope of course it really it, it's like the double knots it really escalates but I want to do that because I want to get in and out I want to have that conversation in and out within minutes and it's done it yeah. also I think sometimes that escalation when it happens quicker it helps them learn so much faster yeah. It's like that light bulb moment. They're like, I have to do something. Yeah. And a lot of people with just say that wiggle the rope exercise, which they, which is not, which is counterintuitive, you know, like you start with a little wiggle and you gradually increase until the horse goes backwards. And a lot of people hate that because their horse develops this hatred of them, this real negativity yeah. of it. And they're always having to go, just say, if you escalate on a scale of one to 10, yeah. right? And they always have to escalate to a three or a four or a five to get their horse to step back. And the horse immediately, every time it starts wiggling the rope, lays its ears back and it, it's, it looks real angry, right? And they yeah. tell me, oh, my horse hates this, right? And they're having to go to five every time to get that. 
and I'll say, I'll show you how to fix it. <laughs> okay. I'm going to fix it very, very quickly. You give them a one and you give them, I give them a seven. One and then I give them a seven. Yeah. yeah. And they go, oh, and they get back. Because what happened in the, what's happening while the horse is getting so negative is that you're gradually getting to the horses. They're tolerating it. They're tolerating yeah. it. And they can. And you'll also it. over time increase their tolerance That's by right. doing it that so, way rather than sensitizing yeah. them. And not only that, that whole wiggle thing, that's uncomfortable. Yeah. So they're having to experience a lot but of. But also because there's too much time from the one that's through right. to the five, yeah. they don't connect yeah. the two to go, oh, if I just went back to start that's with. Right. So I do a one, which is very, which is minuscule Q basically yeah. to a seven and they go, whoa, and they go backwards. And then they learn, that's what they very quickly learn, just go off the, the very gentle yeah. cue, which is not a, adversive. Yeah. So their whole expression on the horse just changes. Yeah. Not only do they go off a one, but they drop that whole negativity around it. But it's because they're, yeah, they've extended it. So there's a way to use pressure. So I'm in and out and that's done and it's done. Yeah. And then I've got little wiggles. I've got this no negativity in the horse because the horse isn't having to put up with this horrible thing. But that's one of the reasons why I teach that exercise yeah. um, because it's, it's, it's a common one that people can do wrong. So I'll make sure I teach them really well so they don't do it wrong. But also I think it's one of those exercises that sets horses up that if they ended up in another home, that's a really helpful thing for them to learn. Yeah, absolutely. Because people tend to use it without realising that they're using it yeah. too. Yeah, because when you got that skill and you can throw that energy through the lead rope, you can, you can control a horse from a distance. People who don't have, that's why I teach it. If I don't teach you that, the person has to go up and grab that lead rope and physically get close to that horse right and walk it backwards when I want to be able to them to be able to stand their ground like stand still and push the horse away from them and I'll tell you you know and if they come across a, a you know not so good situation or something happens they can control from a distance which is safer and that's another reason yeah. why yeah but again there's there's a tool we've just talked about the rope holder that can be controversial clips that can be controversial knots that can be controversial or whatever and an exercise that can be super controversial but there's ways to do it well and there's, you know, there's reasons for doing it. Absolutely. So another one that I come across on a semi-regular basis is people that say that round yarding horses is bad. <laughs> round yarding or round penning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Oh, they do. Because it, 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 that, it absolutely can for a number. You of can fry things. them. Oh, absolutely. But... What people have to understand is number one, because you know I'm a massive round pen advocate. Absolutely. Um, I teach it. Um, it is where it is where I will solve 80 to 90% of a horse's issue before I even put a halter on it. You know, you can teach so much in there at liberty with nothing on the horse. Yeah. However, what is the round yard or the round pen? It is just a space, yeah. a round space. And you can do it in a square space. You can do it in an arena. You just have to have more self-control in order to achieve right. it. <laughs> so the easiest, the, the one that I advise is a round pen with a, a, a 16 to 18 metre diameter um, fence. And, and, of course, the material that the, that the fence is made out of is very important. It needs to be like solid. Panel, yeah, it needs to be solid. It needs to have no, like, nails sticking out of it or it's falling down or it needs to be a really good height like it needs to be you know five six foot height you know like it needs to be high so horses can't jump out of it 
or half jump out of it and the surface oh my goodness the surface is so important yeah um a very heavy surface it makes it a hell hole it's like making the horse run on a sand dune um or a slippery hard surface can also be um dangerous so yes the 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 round yard itself has to be a good construction and the surface good however it can be used as a hell hole an absolute hell hole because there's a number of ways you can use that space and unfortunately with the um there's some famous people out there the first person that brought kind of round penning to the mainstream air uh, arena was kind of john Lyons, and then you had Monty Roberts, who had, of course, his join-up. His join-up. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, there's been some research done on um, on round penning using, but only using Monty's method. Yeah. Okay. And Monty's method and Monty's thoughts on what's actually happening. Uh, yeah. And they're not quite what we agree with in this day and age. That's We've come right. a little further than that. Yeah, it's, it's like understanding operant conditioning and understanding what's happening. And of course, first of all, they go, well, you're wrong. That's not happening there. But the second thing is he uses a method, he just chases the horse. He just kind of runs and runs and runs the horse until it does give up. Don't do that. You know, there's lots of different ways to, to use that space. So you can't look at just say Monty Roberts round penning and thinking it's the same as what I do. Yeah. You know, what I do is very similar. It's, it's the, no different than I do if I'm lunging a horse. I use the same, yeah. it's just, I've got nothing. Same cues. It's yeah. exactly the same cues. It's exactly the same. And, you know, and then you get a lot of horsemen as well that go, drive, drive is terrible. <laughs> you know, drive is terrible. We can't drive our horses. And it's like, well, that's like saying we can't escalate our pressure. Yeah. It's just like I do do a tiny that, that there will be a little bit of driving when I escalate pressure to create meaning in those first few stages. Um, but then you want the horse to recognize and follow your cues, right? But we also have to have horses that can understand pressure and work within pressure. There is right. going to be pressure on them their entire lives. That's right. So that's why right. not start at the start? Yeah. And that's, that's why I do it. And I think the round pen, why I find the round pen, I, I call that the easiest place the easiest kind of job or task for the horse to learn to do one because it's got nothing on its face that's off balancing it or pulling it or being you know confronting to it you've just got a wall you've just got a space and you're working on the inherent kind of zones within the horse that have some kind of you know inherent hard wide meaning so you're working on the drive line of the horse or the point of balance um, if you imagine where the you know, where the elbow of the horse is, where the girth sits, if a horse experiences or feels perceives pressure behind that line, they will travel forward. If they perceive pressure in front of that line, they turn. So you can, you can communicate with the horse and control what they're doing by how you apply pressure to these kind of zones and how. So yeah. they're hardwired within them. So it's, it, they're already got an instinct kind of thing to move forward or to turn. So you're working with that. So that's why it's easy. And it's just like, go around, you know, walk, trot, canter and turn, you know, and it's, it's simple tasks with no one on its back. And yeah, they learn how to learn in there. They learn that you communicate with them and, and how you do it. And not only the benefits of the, the movement and everything like that for dealing with stress and, 
no or just their crookedness or their imbalance yeah yeah the, like to say established can of both reins with someone without someone sitting on their back pulling on their face making it six thousand times harder yeah so again but yeah it gets a bad rep it gets a bad rep because they've seen someone do it terribly or you know they pull out the the only research that's ever done on it which is on monty roberts method you know that's like saying i don't like cakes because the only cake someone ate once was a pavlova and they hated it <laughs> they had too much sugar you know yeah. that you've got this nice banana bread there and mm-hmm. yeah bread not a cake but you see what i mean it's just, yeah yeah that's it it's just different guys there's different ways of using stuff yeah yeah and i really respect that space yeah so okay it can be so used, we've done like, rope holders we've done round penny yeah what about whips oh my goodness <laughs> yes yeah because they're actually hit okay oh my goodness they hit yeah but they only hit if the person attached to them hits. That's right. Again, just saying. Again, it's no different than those knots on the um, knots on the halter. Yeah. Um, yeah. When they're you know causing that particular pressure, so you can use them just as to create pain or to do something. You know, to to push forward or push away. Create pressure. Create pressure, like in you know horse racing or barrel racing or wherever where they um, or in the round yard to encourage them to go forward. Yeah, yeah, create creating noise and 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 something to be concerned about. Absolutely, yeah. okay. Um, however, again, you know, like I use whips, so I don't have to use a whip. Again, yeah. it's creating meaning. Yeah, right. I'm not thinking I have to get the whip out and smack my whip for my horse forward to get it to go forward all the time or to use it regularly. No, my aim with the whip is to not have to use the whip, but I use it. I use it so I don't have to use it in the future of creating that meaning. I will say one thing though that a lot of people get wrong that they don't realize. A lot of people get a young horse and they get on with a whip and they tap the horse with a whip and it goes straight. Right, or the horse gets really worried about it, is because everybody out there, you don't assume that if you just pick up a stick and you hit a horse with it on its bottom or side, that it knows what that means. That it knows that means to go forward. They don't. They can, depending on the horse, have no idea. Just think you're attacking it and grind to a halt, and you know, get very, very upset because they don't understand that that. But that I think if you've cool. used that in the round yard to teach them that it means to go forward, that it might help. Yeah, that can help, but still you've got to teach them. So I make sure I well, I teach people to teach horses to go forward off gentle whip taps. Yeah. The whip means to go forward, to know the answer, that when yeah. they have this stick that taps them, it means go forward. Because guess what, guys? They don't necessarily know that. A lot of them will guess that correctly and work it out, but a whole lot of them will not. Will shut down. They'll Would shut you find down. that that happens more in your cold breeds, like your Frisians yeah, yeah. and your Clyde Crosses and that sort of thing? Yeah, the ones that horses that have the breeds that have a tendency to flip into fight when yeah. they get confronted or feel seriously alarmed, they will grind to a halt and they will fight they, yeah. they will lash out they will lash out if they're they'll kick him yeah or they will 
kick out under saddle or they were bark or, or rear or something like that. Yeah, you've got your more coldy bloods that tend to go that way and you've got your hot blood, like your thoroughbreds and your Arabs will, will pick, go forward. And some of the warm bloods will sit somewhere in the middle, middle. as well as some of your quarter horses as well. Yeah, okay. Your mix as well, depending on the lines and stuff that they come from, yeah. That's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, so, yeah teach the horse what it means before you use it <laughs> yeah but again See, to me with my like with roger it's an extension of my arm so i have whip cues around him so i've got lateral movements i got shoulder movements i got hind quarter movements yeah. and where i use it depends on what it means yeah it's a communication it's a yeah. communication tool of creating meaning and and maintaining motivation which is what yeah. it is but your aim is if you're doing a good job you, you don't shouldn't it. have to use it. That's my aim. Yeah. You should not have to use your escalation of pressure and your whole aim of training should be is to getting the horse in a, uh, you know, kind of cultivated in a state where you don't operate with that. So mm-hmm. from there then, if we talked about spurs, do you feel the same way? Are we aiming to not need them? Yeah, you're aiming just for the horse to go off very small, very small amount of pressure. It doesn't mean that you might not, if you ride a horse with spurs, because there's a lot of disciplines that will put certain spur cues on. Mm-hmm. You just want to touch the horse with them. You yeah. don't want to, have to jam them. Have in to jam them. You just touch them. So because yeah. yeah, when we get into like dressage and that sort of thing, like it's a finesse of our cues are the spurs. Yeah. I don't feel like spurs should ever be used as a ford. They're no. more as a finesse no, to have more understanding yeah i'm telling you now when i'm looking at a prelim or novice dressage test and they have spurs and whip right man you have a problem you know you're needing all that artillery just to get whoop trot and canter yeah like, hang on <laughs> you know you've got you can just tell as soon as i see that i know that they're a, what i would call like a muffled rider they're not being clear with their communication. They're having to use, you know, real adversive pressure to keep that horse doing something. Yeah. But their refinement, you want to be out, your aim is, is to be able to work that horse, communicate that horse with as small movements as possible so that it looks invisible. Yeah. You know, that's what you want. You want it to be very small and you want that level of communication and um, the, the horse's level of attention on that, on those communication you know the horse stay on the line first of all and be aware of those changes so you only have to whisper to it that's your aim yeah Yeah, because once you get up high just say we're just looking at dressage for instance when you get up so i'm talking about so you got the whip out and the spurs out a prelim and novice yeah that means you got all your (laughs) artillery out you know those things those those aids those more um you know your spurs etc whatever Therefore, is when you go up and you've got very complicated things and you need just that little bit of extra. It's not an extra notes on the piano that you've got to yeah. communicate. Same thing is with the double bits and stuff like that. Yeah. That's because you're doing very high level communication with the horse and you need those extra keys on the keyboard to say. But again, they're not, they're just, again, it's just touch, et cetera. It should not yeah. be just disgracefully awful. You haven't done a good job. Yeah. So they, yeah, they do when then they wear them they're not meant to be used nastily you know or with high pressure it's all again for touch 
Yeah. Yes. Now what so we interesting. Oh, yes. next. What about? I don't know if you've got any others to add, but I was going to talk about hobbles because that was kind of the one that came up yeah. at the seminar the other week. And people were like, hobbles are so bad. And I was like, well, that's awkward because I carry hobbles around and they're super handy when you need them. <laughs> okay. Well, you talk about this. Okay. You have more experience with hobbles than me. Okay. Um, so I tend to hobble train all my babies and yep. I find for them, we do it in a really safe environment. We do it on sand and we prepare them as best as we can for that. Um, and they just learn that they're restrained and that they don't have to panic and that that's, it's kind of like a, this sounds, how do I word this without, but it's, it teaches them to shut down a little. Yeah. Same yeah. as when we tie them up, right they now. have to shut down a little. They yeah. have to go, this is what I'm doing. This is my job right now. This is what I'm doing. The same um, put them in horse flutes. There's a whole lot of things. People get very confronted by that word or we're making them kind of like let go and kind of shut down a little bit. But it's just like, yeah, but that's the truth about what's they really have important. to learn skills in order to survive in our that's world. Right. Yeah. And yeah. one of those skills is sometimes we have a job to do, which is standing here and not going anywhere. Yeah. And to let go and just yes. Yeah. So hobbles cat. Hobbles. So yeah, so they can, um, you know, it can help them from getting stuck in a fence in the future, or if they do get restrained to have some kind of reaction to it. Yeah. The only thing on the other side, though, of course, they can be done badly. Yeah. And I remember many, 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 many years ago, I sent a horse off to get started before I had any idea what was going on. And the, um, and the trainer uh, restraint trained him and I went completely pear shaped and he came home uh, with so many injuries from that because he freaked out, flipped out and um, really badly hurt himself. Not only that, he, though, I got handed him back by the trainer saying, I'm sorry, you can't touch his back legs. Oh. Yeah. Like, how bad is that? <laughs> so anyway. do you think, I'm just intrigued by that situation, do you think that that was non-preparation or do you think it was a horse that had a lot of fight in it? It was poor preparation. It was probably a little bit of both. It was a poor preparation. He was, um, he was quite a, let's put him into the sensitive horse category. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah quite a reactive little horse. And yeah, but it just was sloppy, poor preparation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will have to also admit that sometimes the whole theory that they will get caught in a fence and it will help with that. Well, that doesn't always. No, it doesn't always. But I think it's a step that it's better than not. Yeah, well, and it's and I think I'm pretty sure that sometimes that might actually help. But <laughs> just a funny story. I'm not going to give any names, but I actually own a horse that was owned by um, another trainer who has videos out of a lot of restraint training, and yeah. this horse is actually the star of that that video and I've owned her for a, a very long time um and anyway the yes she goes through um she had two she went through the fence well she had two fence injuries where she got um stuck in the fence and she fought like hell to get like out anything. and ripped herself to shreds so it's just oh, like no. well this horse is not a good example <laughs> of that when you're restraint trained you don't you get stuck in fences and you just go quite mm -mm. No, so not necessarily. However, yeah. 
yes, I will actually absolutely be with with you and um, you know, and hobbles if they're prepared well and trained well, they can actually solve an, a number of problems of where horses quite distressed. Like I remember many years ago, a horse that would just say we're tying up at the float and things like that at competitions would dig a hole to China and they did mm-hmm. a session of restraint training and that horse never dug a hole to China again. Um, you know, so therefore the damage to its hooves and everything that it was doing there. Horses that have been very difficult to float have been helped by that very difficult standstill for farriers and vets. And there's been a whole lot of things that I've that I have seen that have been um, not horrendously awful experiences for the horse to go through, but they've learned a particular skill to be able to stand still and, and hobbles have been involved in it. But then, and what about when like rugs fall off and those kinds of things and getting stuck in those? Uh, yeah, well, I'm you know, I'm sure there's some carryover um, to that as well. You know, I would not definitely put it past that. However, can they be used awfully? Absolutely. Can absolutely accidents happen when you use them? Absolutely. Yes. Does it necessarily mean your horse won't rip itself to shred in the fence? No. Absolutely not. You know, it can happen. So it is, is one of those things. Um, do I hobble train? No, but it's not that I don't um, or don't agree with it. Like you've got the skills to do it. You've learned how to do it. You know, I actually haven't done a lot of learning to take that on. I've been able to kind of come across. Guess around it. But it doesn't mean that I might not in my life come across one. You know, it's just a rabbit hole that I haven't gone, gone down. But, yeah, they're controversial. But, yeah, again, they can be good. It can go like you can you they can they've got to be done well it's got to have good preparation it can be done absolutely terribly and like with anything even if you do it well things could still happen but that goes with anything all right what are we up to now i don't have anything left on my list oh yeah. i do my yeah. turn bits bits oh, of course why didn't i bits. think of that one yeah and um Bits and side reins and things like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. So let's do bits first. Okay. So I go through this hilarious thing that when I help people like kind of completely restart or as I call reboot their horse after they've had problems with it and kind of reboot the horse's foundation and, and learn to control it and make their horse their horse, right, is that I encourage them to take the bit out of the horse's mouth. And run them in a halter. Yeah. Just ride them in a halter or a side pool or a bitless bridle until the horse has really got walk, trot and canter on a loose rein really good. And then I have a way of introducing the bit back. Well, it's really interesting that when I take that horse's bit out, when I take the bit out of the horse's mouth, people are freaked out, okay? They always yeah. get freaked out thinking they're going to have no control, right? Yeah. Then they discover they've got kind of better control than they had before because the horse isn't anxious, yeah. And just teach the horse to respond to that thing on their face. And just because they And then to- you can't convince them to put it back in again. Oh, and then they won't put it back in again. And they give me like so funny. I was at a clinic on the weekend and I'm having this kind of bit of a debate with someone going, but I don't have to put it back in again. Do, do I do I have to ride with a bit? And I'm like, no. It really, I said, if you want to keep that bit out of that horse's mouth for the rest of its life, then absolutely go for it. The only thing that's going to stuff you up if you want to do a discipline that doesn't or if you want to sell the horse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or you want to sell the horse one day. Um, 
but you know if you've got to you want to do a certain discipline not all disciplines allow that okay so if you go do um you know dressage or something like that with the question australia you've got to go to put a fit in the horse's mouth so so no but you don't want to you don't have to she was like good i'm not doing any of that and i'm not putting the bit back in my horse's mouth and it's like all power to you you know good but you know but i did say you know but there's a way of introducing the bit and teaching the horse how to respond to the bit which makes the bit their bit and they control the pressure on it if you do it really well you you can have and i said she goes what's the what's the difference between you know because she's just been riding around on side pool and she's perfectly happy with that to a bit and i just well it's kind of like the rope halter you know with the knots on it i can have a bit of a finer conversation with that plus or so i said look we're communicating because had the side pull on that you know really we we pick up this rein we pull up <laughs> we pick up that rein we do that we're just really putting a bit of a generic pressure on the horse whereas the bit i can be i can lift the bit i can you know more finesse hands with it that puts a bit of pole pressure on the horse there's a whole little bit more finesse that i can do with that bit that can communicate kind of different things yeah. but you're just happy doing what you're doing absolutely just you know go for it see so, i find if you've got a horse that's worried about the bit and we take the bit out yeah and we never put the bit back in again it's kind of like you know a human that has a bad experience in a car and they're like okay well i'm never going in the car again yeah. it doesn't actually solve that issue at all you're just yeah. avoiding going there yeah yeah, but if they never go there, you know, and the horses used to gets used to being ridden without it, they're they're okay. But I do advocate in teaching them. It's like you've come all this way and learnt all this stuff. Let me show you how to do the bit really well. Let me show you how to, you know, make the bit less devilish. You know, like you can do it, and the horses are like, oh, okay, you know, they go yeah. whatever. Okay, let's new and let's do that. They learn, they learn, and they're like, okay, they accept that. They're not, um, you know, there's a way to do that. You know, there is a way to do that. And I know how but to But again, do that. it comes down to the bit is only as harsh as the hands attached to it. That's right. It's a communicate again, it's communication. Yeah. It's communication. It's a microphone in the horse's mouth, a receiver that you're communicating yeah. with. Just another touch communication that you're sending signals from your brain to their brain by going through the bit yeah yeah, yeah. now side reins auxiliary things so if you asked me just say a year ago i would have gone like i have not had to use side reins in all that time you i can very good at teaching horses posture online okay under saddle don't need damn side reins. Let's just start with them. I'm, I'm still got in the black box draw reins <laughs> and pursuers and things. They're still in my kind of black box. They're over there. I'm still, I'm still in the haven't evolved to accept them yet box. All right. They're still, but side reins I have because I, and I kind of put them in the box because I didn't need them. Mm-hmm. You know, like I can teach a horse a posture um, just by getting them very good flexion and, and training them and, and, yeah, they just get them relaxed. They just assume the correct posture, so I don't need to put anything on them. However, this year has been my year of delving into more uh, physical therapies and understanding soundness and, and biomechanics and lameness. And- yeah, and of course, there we go. I've come across a whole lot of horses that do have some real physical issues going on 
um, that have really been helped by being put inside reins. Yeah, okay. <laughs> helped out with their posture because they just are not motivated to carry their bodies and it just has really sped up the rehab of these particular horses. And so I've pulled the side reins out of the uh, out of the black box and they're now in the permitted box um, if they're used correctly. <laughs> so can you tell me, I'm nearly tempted to ask you if we can do another episode on this, but um, maybe we will because I feel like there's a lot there. What's and all, this, all the stuff you've been going into this year, I'd really love to talk about oh, that. and therapy stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, just, it's, it's a bit, well, it is. It's, well, it's so important. For me, because, uh, you know, I just suddenly, well, didn't suddenly, like I worked out over the years that I am not necessarily doing behavior. When a horse has just learnt something, man, that is, that's really easy to fix. Yeah, yeah. But generally there's more to it than that. Uh, but it's not that, you know, you're normally dealing with um, the, there's, there's something physical going on and I've had to learn to see it. Yeah. Now I'm having to learn how to help with it because, so many people <clears throat> do not have access to good um, veterinary and physical kind of or any type of kind of support. You know, yeah. most places in Australia do not have access. I'm telling you now, the places I go to, they just don't. And even if they do, the expense of it's really extreme that people really have to take um, charge. And so what I've done is I've just been, you know looking into people and methods and who to refer people to so you know so that and, and not only that like things like a lot of things that you might just reach for a cortisone injection for or something like that you can actually have more of a exercise physical rehabilitation actually has better evidence of helping the horse better in the long run um yeah so people encouraging people to take charge so just by increasing my own knowledge i'm better at picking it or identifying it, I then can refer because that's my first thing is I want to refer to the professionals. Um, and being able to know which ones are going to be the best yeah, ones to knowing help. which ones to do and encouraging people to, you know, do what's kind of more of evidence base of how to actually fix these things up. But yeah, it does require them to learn another kind of skill set, you know, of how to rehabilitate their horse, um, you know, and how to work with their horse with their kind of limitations or um you know or weaknesses or asymmetries and all those types of things of who to actually refer them to because that's that's the kind of path they've got to take yeah yeah, yeah so i've learned a lot about that so yeah the side reins are out with the cabison not on the with the cabison yeah not, not connected to the bit yeah just on a with a good cabison and that kind of thing and learning how to use them but also putting a good foundation of just no side reins and just getting them to be able to lunge really well before you do it like i was going to say that's an important step is having all of the basics in place before you start yeah. using and side reins. how you introduce them of course as well like having them off not just shorten them right up and off we go no so there's a way to introduce them again but yeah i've seen some when you've got a horse that has to start working in a certain posture or outline for them to start developing kind of correct right muscles or yeah, the, yeah, because the way they're carrying themselves is so distorted from their limitations or, or what's actually yeah. happening. Is that, yeah, fast tracking that kind of posture thing is a bit like it's physiotherapy. And I've yeah. seen the results with my own eyes. So it's just like, okay, okay. That's fantastic. I get that. Side reins are out of the box. 
there's a whole bloody drawings crap in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have we got any others? Or we I done? think we're probably pretty good. Mm, yeah. I think we've done the main ones. Hopefully that's an interesting episode for people to, yeah, the more you learn, the more you learn about stuff, you, you realise stuff isn't inherently necessarily bad. It's how it's, it's how it's used yeah. or, you know, and normally you've seen something terrible, you've heard the bad things or, or just some things, bad things can happen, you know, it just can, but it doesn't necessarily mean that used very well, it can have a good, you know, outcome. Yeah. There we go. Perfect. Thank you, Shelly. Well, we'll wrap that up and, um, yeah, talk again soon. Sounds good. And therapy. (laughs) All right. I'll talk to you soon, Kat. Awesome. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to this episode of Canter Therapy. You can find us on Facebook on Canter Therapy Podcast. And if you'd like to know more about me, Dr. Shelley Appleton, you can find out more about me on my website, calmwillingconfidenthorses.com.au. I'm on social media, Facebook, Dr. Shelley Appleton, Calm Willing Confident Horses. And I'm Kat. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Friends of Park Equine Services or Instagram at Friends of Park. If you would like to leave us a rating where you're listening to this podcast, we'd appreciate it. And... We look forward to hearing from you.